again Isn't he wonderful Wonderful Jesus my Lord Isn't he wonderful? Amen. Wasn't it wonderful of him to let us have church today? Amen. Thank the Lord for the sun. Amen. Amen. Imagine living in a land where it's an uncloudy day. Never been another storm, never been any typhoons, no hurricanes, not one headache. Not one disease germ in the whole earth. It's hard to imagine it. I believe it's the truth, would you? Let's turn, if you would, today to Luke chapter 21, verse 25. We'll take a little different twist of what we've been looking at on the honeymoon. We're looking forward to that for sure. Certainly excited and anxious about it, but I want to kind of post this to you today in the form of a question. Do we really need the millennium? Or is this world a great place to live? Is this a, I mean, a real just in its present state? Are we a bunch of um, religious? cranks who over-exaggerate the importance of God, over-exaggerate the importance of coming to church, over-exaggerate how we dress, how we live, so on, so on, so on. Or are we missing really a lot in life? Are we totally leading our children in the wrong way and we're in the wrong way? Y'all know the answer, huh? You're convinced. Okay. We're good. Luke 21, 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming On the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Now, listen to this. You imagine Brother Branham make this statement in 1951. What would he say today? The great atomic age is here nations against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. The people are nervous. He's praying now. He said, You said it would be fear upon the earth, perplexity of time. Distress between the nations, men's hearts failing. Oh, what a day that we're living in. How many can say amen to that? Oh, what a day that we're living in. 
How many like to be remembered in prayers? We approach the Lord through the Word. Hold your request in your heart. Lord Jesus, we are so happy today to be able to be assembled to, together again. We thank you, Lord, that uh, the rains have, have stopped and uh, the water has been able to recede. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that was able to come to church today. Some still sick and others with parts of their houses flooded and all of that. But we ask that you just be with them as well. And fathers, we've gathered here today. We're asking for your help, your strength. Lord Jesus, we believe that we're living in the last days. We know that this has been said for 2,000 years, but we believe it's closer now than it's ever been before. So we certainly need your help and your strength. You saw the hands of the people that were uplifted. Lord, this prayer cloth that I hold in my hand for Brother Randy Walton, you see his need, Lord. Even right now, dear God, uh, Brother Joel Forney at the hospital, and I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with him, Lord. We pray that you would just be with our brother. Help him, Father, in this time of need. Speak to us today, Lord. May we be challenged. May we be changed. May we be charged by the presence of God to be able to leave here a people who've been benefited by our effort, Lord. I believe for the majority of these people, Lord, they've not come to see or to be seen. They've not come today because it's a routine. They have needs in their lives. Lord, you saved us to go to church. We love to go to church. We know that we never go if we have the right attitude, that we won't get something out of the service. So we're looking for you today to help us in, in our time of need. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So from your perspective then, we really need the rapture and the millennium, the coming of the Lord. It's not a pipe dream. It's not a pie in the sky type of thing that a lot of people would try to convince us of. Yet, in the word, what we read here in Luke 21, let's read it again. For there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Now, the word here, perplexity, is perplexity of mind. Not knowing what to do, which way to go, or even what step to take. Now, these are the words of the Lord Jesus describing the condition that would be at the end time. And it's not just among agnostics, infidels, atheists, but even as Christians, sometimes we don't know which way to take, as it were, which road, because there's so many things that lay before us. And I like the way that Jesus said it here. It would seem as if though that he was speaking about the waters, and we know that it, it curtailed the tidal waves, of course, that was happening, uh, happening even when he was here. Happened, of course, in the 60s, happened again in our days. But when you look at the words that he used, it was actually more than just the tidal waves naturally of the oceans. It was actually the seas in the way that he likened that trouble would come upon the earth in the last days. 
And Jesus likened the sea and the waves roaring as a terrible storm that would be upon the waters and the waves would come in and then another wave would come in after that and another wave would come in after that and the momentum of the water being already in that cycle of hitting the beach, each one of them comes with greater force and greater power. And he likened the trouble and the perplexity and the distress in the last days. It would be like these types of waves that would come upon the earth and it would come upon the people and it would come upon politics and churches and families and homes and society and all of that together. It would be one wave after another after another and it would roll in and before it would get out another would be right there on it you know coming and each one uh, making the other more powerful truly I believe we're living in that day don't you now it would be like a great deluge or a storm as it would move upon the people in the last days that there would be so much that would come upon them that they would not know which way to turn Notice again in verse 26, he said, Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Notice in the end time, again, 1954, as I was just thinking of this great day, a day of wickedness, perilous times and men's hearts failing, all the scriptures that spoke of and were living to see the end time. Now, he said, Brother Brandon mentioned it several times, he said, if you'll notice, it was men's hearts. And he said, if you'll notice that, it's men that has more heart trouble than women. Isn't it amazing in the psyche of men? that the psychological part of, ter of terror, fear, and dread can bring upon man from the subconscious what his first conscience is not even aware of. Now, man can drink, he can dope, he can be able to do all kinds of things to be able to hide from the first conscience what he's really dealing with and what he's afraid of. But he cannot be able to hide it from the psyche or the subconscious. Paul says it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And the church said, Amen. perilous times shall come. Look at this word, fierce, hard to do, hard to take, hard to bear, troublesome, dangerous, harsh, fierce, savage, violent. It describes my Mondays. Is that the way y'all's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Did, that, did I just describe y'all's day? Now this is prophecy and there's no way that we will ever be able to get away from it. But there is a way to deal with it. And that's what we want to know. Now notice this in the Greek. It is difficult times when it will be difficult for Christians to keep their lives happy 
in the state of the world that they're living. So for Christians now, for saved, and this is the word that Paul actually used. It wasn't actually even addressing the lost world and the agnostics and the infidels, but he's really addressing the children of God and letting them know ahead of time of what kind of day that it's actually going to be. And it's going to be a time that is going to be so perilous and so difficult that it will be hard for children of God to be able to maintain their happiness with a good conscience because of all the trouble that is around them. Oh my. But as I said, I do believe there is a way. In the middle of hell, we're talking about a honeymoon. In the middle of sorrow and difficulty, we're talking about a body change. I'll tell you one thing, it will not be the world that will make us happy. And let me just go ahead and tell you, some of the things I'm fixing to read to you are not going to make you feel like shouting. They are not going to make you happy. They are not going to make you joyful or just feel such an abundance and exuberance of joy. It's quite saddening, to be honest with you. But there is a place in Christ Jesus, in spite of the condition of the world that is around us, even some of our own families, some of our loved ones, but there is a place for us as believers. And if you don't know it yet, you need to find that for yourself, not you and your husband, you and your children, you and your pastor, you and your church, but you and God. Because there'll be people that'll turn their back on you, turn their back on God, and if your happiness is wound around somebody else other than the Lord Jesus, I hate to be the one to tell you, but you're fixing to be greatly disappointed. Notice this is the same word. I found this amazing, Brother Terry, when I was studying this the other day. This is the exact same word, the word perilous, that Matthew uses in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergenesenes, there met him two possessed with devils. Coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce. Now it's the exact same Greek word used for fierce as Paul used for perilous. Exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by that way. So prophetically, Paul is telling us that the world will become a demoniac graveyard. It will be so full of demons and there will be so many people so influenced by these demons and he chose to use the same word as when this demon, man possessed with demons, a maniac from Gadara, whenever he comes through that he cried and he moaned and he groaned and he cut himself and here he is, he's wanting to live but he's under a self-destructive type of spirit. Now it's amazing when you look at the things of the world that are around us and the substitutes that Satan gives people in the place of the Holy Ghost and most of those substitutes are a self-destruct mode. A person can't handle the anxiety, the sorrow, the pain they're dealing with so they get drunk or they take some type of dope or something like that or they go out, you know, and try to just drown their, their blues away and the very thing that they are using Using is a self-destruct mode that Satan has brought into the world to be able to have people to annihilate themselves. 
Aren't you glad you're free from that today? Now, notice then another, another real point that's so important to us in tying all this together is to see that self-love will be the hallmark of the direction that the majority of the over 7 billion people that are on the face of the earth today will go. It will be self-love that will so anoint them. It will be self-love that Satan will use in order to get them so involved in what they want to do. And of course, the very opposite of that is the type of love that we have as the people of God, which is self-denial. So our, 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 our gospel today, our message is not about loving self. And you know, they've got books now on how to love yourself. I've never seen anybody that needed that book. They've got courses. You, you laugh at me, it's the truth. They've got courses on to teach you how to love yourself. They've got books and they've got all kinds of things on teaching you to how to love yourself. That is our problem. Loving ourselves more than loving God. That's what the scripture said. That people in the last day would be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. People that drink and they will go on and do it. They'll do it despite their family. They'll do it despite their wife, their children, drugs, whatever it is. Praise the Lord. Why? Because they love themselves more than they love their family. That's the bottom line. Now most of them would deny that, but they prove it. Now it will also produce them... An attitude in the last day that is so self-exalting and so self-boasting. And my, some people to hear them talk about it, I don't know how God even made the world without them. They are so important and they have so much value. I'm just talking about sinners. I'm talking about some folks around this message. Some preachers around this message are so important. I don't see how God made the world without them. I really don't. And I imagine they're going to be second in command in the millennium. No, in reality, if they don't get that devil off of them, they won't be in the millennium. And neither will you and I if we think that we're just the most important thing in the world. You are a dirt bag. You are worthless without the Spirit of God in our lives. But there's one good thing about it. You're sitting beside a lot of other dirt bags, so just welcome them to the house of God. Now, notice this in the Thyatira church age. In the Laodicea in her last stage, self-love and, notice self-love and, love for material things will take the place of the true love of God. We need to guard against the power of sin in these last days. So many are getting so hard because they haven't realized the effect of this last day spirit. Now listen, message folks, we aren't exempt from this. It is time to draw nigh to God and let him fill our lives with his love. Or we will feel the coldness of the last day church and reject the truth of God which alone is able to help us. But now let me come back to the question that I ask him. Are we just a bunch of religious cranks? 
and people like us in other parts of the states in Canada and the world who have gathered together on Sunday and we're preaching about a message and a prophet and a rapture and we're trying to tell our people to pull apart from the world and pull away from the world and become separated and you know to, to just keep your distance away from the unclean things or are we actually living in a paradise which we ourselves are totally blind to is somehow we've been deceived by some type of religious leader and this world is a world of pleasure and joy and everywhere you look this world just produces so much happiness and so much peace no Forty to fifty percent of married couples in the United States divorce. Fewer than half, forty-six percent of U.S. kids younger than eighteen years of age are living in a home with two married heterosexual parents in their first marriage. This is a marked change from 1960 when 73% of children fit this description. So looking at the average American home, now you're in Walmart, you're in Kroger, you're in Ingalls, look at 46% of those kids that you look at at school when you run into a man and woman and they're there shopping together, one of them or both of them the chances is extremely high that that's their second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth, twelfth, thirteenth time of being married. Well, praise the Lord. And I know some of you scrunch your toes up now when I deal with this, but I'm going to deal with it anyhow. Now, can you imagine what type of, of home setting then the majority of the kids in America have? Even if they have a mother and a father, some of them have a father and a father, however that works, or a mother and a mother. No, children, I, I, don't look at me like that. Don't think you're going to get me to a spot that I'm going to shut up preaching against that. That is an abomination in the eyes of God. Brother Donnie, you'll get in trouble. I'll get in greater trouble if I don't say it. I ain't worried about CNN and Fox. I'm more worried about the main one up here. That's right. So even if they have the couple and then the home the way that God made it, male and female, made, created he them, then what a percentage of them, less than half of our nation, is even being raised by the mother, well they may have the father, but the mother's married to another man, to another man, to another man, so you've got all these kids that are being raised by this man's wife's husband's uncle's grandfather's, who knows what they are. And then we wonder why the world is not normal. Notice this, it's a marked change from 1960. I thought this was quite amazing. 1960, the year that the church ages was preached. When 73% of children fit this description. And 1980, 
when 61%, now notice then from 1960 down to 1980, it fell. And watch again as it comes on down to Pew Research Center analysis of recently released American Community Survey and Decennial Consensus data. So here we come now, as time goes on, if that be another five years or six, it will get less and less and less. And this is just not so in America, of course, it's around the world. Listen to this, in the African-American community, 72% of black children are raised in a single-parent household. Now, how, friends, can we in our right minds think that children being raised under the divorce things and being raised with a woman that's not their mother or a father that don't care nothing about them at all. Praise the Lord. And then 72% of black kids that are raised by one parent, the majority of them, of course, being the mother. And they don't even know what a real representation of a father is. Well, come on, don't get quiet. You see, sin covers every race. Sin covers every income level. If you're so poor today, you can't buy a McDonald's hamburger. Or if you're so rich, you've got so much money, you don't know what you're going to do with it. Sin covers every one of us. And lying and evil and debauchery of the age that we're living in, it covers every demologue that's going on, every demographic that's in the world. But there is one demographic, if you wish to call it that way, that there will be no sin in that is those that's going in the rapture. And I say we need the rapture. I say we need the millennium. We need a new government. We need a whole new system controlled by Jesus Christ. People living together, commonly called shacking up. Nearly 75% of women ages 30 or younger said they lived with a partner outside marriage, known as cohabiting, at some point in their lives. Can you imagine 75% of women, 30 and under, seven, three quarters of the population lived lower than a hog. And then women become teachers, nurses, professors at universities. So what do you think they're going to teach your kids? Morality? How to live a clean, virtuous life? Nope. Notice this, the trend reflects the fact that marriage is increasingly becoming optional in adult life now. Oh. Yep, we need the millennium. Be no shacking up in the millennium. You can do all these same polls if you want to in the millennium. Do them all, all the numbers will be totally different. There'll be no kids raised by single parents. There won't be two men living in the same house, Mr. and Mr. There won't be none of them there. 
Notice this. The trend reflects the fact that marriage is increasingly becoming optional in adult life, said Susan Brown, professor of sociology at Bowling Green State University in Ohio. Oh, but never remember, we're following, supposedly by some, a prophet that is false. A man that was a false prophet made all kinds of supposed statements that wasn't true. Really? Flashing red light, the sign of his coming. Did you notice it never said nothing about marriage? Notice how he's reading from Genesis now. The sons of God came unto the daughters of men. Nothing about marriage. And if you take in the original Greek there, the word, the meaning says, I've got it wrote down here somewhere, a wife, take unto them wives. In the third verse, in the Greek, I looked it up this afternoon. It didn't say take to them wives. It said took to them women. Not wives. Now you check it with your emphatic diaglide and watch if that isn't true. Take unto them women, not wives. They just took them as they were free lovers. Like we have today. In other words, they were lovers in that day just like they are now. They went any way they wanted to and took any woman they could. One of the signs of the end time when the train is coming in the block. And the light is flashing. Well, if it's flashing in 1963, it must be faster and brighter in 2019. But now, notice how this works. So, living together, Satan knows, of course, it's not right. He knows it's sinful. It's contrary to God's promise. It's contrary to God's initial basis for the home and the family that God placed in the Garden of Eden. But notice how he works this now on people and makes this work. Living together is considered to be more stressful than being married. Wow. I mean, that must be something. Because sometimes being married can be stressful. Can't it, Carol? Can't it, Brother Kiss? Brother Eddie? Okay, sisters, you all pop up too. Go ahead. I won't let them hurt you. Being married can be stressful, yet doing the way they do is more stressful. Now, wait a minute. I thought if Satan talked us into doing something wrong, that it was always easier and better than God's program. At least that's what he tries to tell us anyway. So this is a better program than God's program. Why is it more stressful then? In the United States and in the UK, couples who live together are at a greater risk for divorce when they do get married than non-cohabitating couples. Cohabitating couples have a separation rate five times higher than that of married couples. And reconciliation rate was one-third that of married couples. So living together is better, shacking up is better, supposedly. It's more stressful, and the rate of staying together is a lot less. Wonder what's what's happening here? Because it ain't the original program of God. Now you may be having stress in your home and in your marriage, but you've got a whole lot more going for you than if you're living with somebody. Well, praise God. Notice this now. Cohabitating couples are more likely to experience infidelity. Well, that don't surprise me since they're living in fornication and adultery. But yet Satan would have the people of this age to believe this is the modern trend. This is the way to go. It's better, is it? It creates more stress. 
it creates more dishonesty. It creates more compatibility issues. Why? It's not God's provided way. God meant for a man to marry a woman. One. Not two, three, four. God never joined together Adam and Steve, but Adam and Eve. God never joined together Eve and Mary or Eve and Martha, but Adam and Eve. That's God's program. And I stand on that principle today. It will work. Compared to those planning to marry, those cohabitating, have an overall poorer relationship quality. They tend to have more fighting and violence and less reported happiness. And I know today whenever I preach this, it'll all stop around the world. Well, sure. I mean, don't people want truth? I mean, so all, all, all we got to do is just make this available on the internet. Who knows even some of the message folks might quit shacking up. So once truth is made known, then everybody around the world will quit, right? No! If I preach this again in a year or two, these increases, they'll go up, the percentages will go up. Why? Because Satan wants to get people in this state. It ain't right. It's not even good for them. But will they stop it? No! Why? They can't. This graveyard is so full of demons. Look, children, there's only one safe place, and it ain't in this church. It's in Christ Jesus. So it's more stressful. It's more dangerous. Got a greater chance of getting killed. That's right. There's more murders, more homicides, and these types of relationships. Why? It's not the word. Can I go on? Now, Harry told me this morning I should do like a brother Tim this morning and preach two services in one since we didn't get to have church last night. <laughs> Notice compared to married individuals, those cohabitating have higher levels of depression and substance abuse. Well, somebody please help me to understand then, if all these drawbacks are so bad and so negative, why do it? So if drinking is so bad and drugs is so bad and it kills people, why do it? Because the majority of these people out here are demons. Possessed. And for those that aren't possessed, they're so anointed, they're not but one step from it. Thank God for grace. So can I close the sermon now? Y'all want to hear a little more? Are you convinced so far we need the millennium? Listen to this. Homeless people. An estimated 554,000 each night homeless in America. Each night. But let me just tell you something. 
There won't be one homeless person in the millennium. <laughs> Everybody will have a home. Everybody will have a place where they fit. I want to paint you a picture today by God's grace to show you what this being has done to this earth. Now listen to this. Most of us don't even think of this. Don't even cross our mind. Air pollution. Nine out of ten people breathe polluted air every day. In 2019, air pollution is considered by who? World Health Organization. As the greatest environmental risk to health. Microscopic pollutants in the air can penetrate respiratory and circulatory systems, damaging the lungs, heart, and brain, killing 7 million people prematurely every year. Seven million. From diseases such as cancer, stroke, heart, and lung disease. Yep. We need the millennium. There won't be no factories in the millennium polluting the air or the water. King Jesus won't allow it. We won't need the EPA. We've got the main man. Around 90% of these deaths are in low and middle income countries rather with high volumes of emissions from industry, transport, and agriculture as well as dirty cook stoves and fuels in their homes. So many of them are simply trying to survive. They're simply trying to survive and they cook their food and warm their homes in such primitive ways and they take this into their lungs and Satan, the God of this Eden, he hates people. He loves to destroy. He loves to annihilate. He loves to bring paralysis and cancer and crippled babies. He loves for a baby to be born blind. He loves for one to be born addicted to alcohol and addicted to drugs. That's the kind of being he is. If you're lost here today without God, I don't understand your thinking at all. I don't understand why you would want to give this being one more day of your life. The annual state of global air report was published on Tuesday by the HEI. You can read that there. I'll brief it to save time. And it found that over 95% of the world's population is breathing unhealthy air. Long-term exposure to air pollution contributed to the deaths of 6.1 million people in 2016 with strokes, heart attacks, lung disease, lung cancer causing many of them. Air pollution is now the fourth highest cause of death worldwide. But Satan gave man industry off the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Much of the things we depend on every day of our life have to be manufactured through industry which bring pollutants to the air. 
Now, friends, there's only one tree that I hug, and that was the tree on the cross. So don't worry, I'm not some leftist something other now. Can't you see what Satan's done? He's polluted the water. He's polluted the earth. He's polluted the air. We need the millennium. For many of you that have never traveled foreign countries and the third world countries, you don't know what it's like. Believe me. Or you can step out here and breathe this East Tennessee mountain air. You don't have a clue what it's like to be in some of these countries of the world. And you look out there and you can't even see a quarter of a mile, a tenth of a mile. Because the pollution is so extreme. And people living in that world, who's in charge of it all? The devil. HIV and AIDS. Nearly a million people every year are dying with HIV, AIDS, HIV virus, AIDS disease. Since the beginning of the epidemic, more than 70 million people have acquired the infection. And about 35 million people have died. Today, around 37 million worldwide live with HIV And where'd it come from? The devil. Of course, now it's no longer just a homosexual disease. Now it's got in the blood. Now it's got in all different types of things. Praise the Lord. Do we need the millennium? How much longer can we go? How much longer can we go whenever these pandemics that they're scared are going to happen? Flu and all kinds of things that scientists are terrified. Not an epidemic, a pandemic will hit and they know they don't have the ability to ward it off. Hide us, O rock of ages. How many of y'all had something to eat today before you come to church? Most of you? The United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization estimates that about 815 million people of the 7.6 billion in the world, one in 10 are suffering from chronic undernourishment in 2016. Almost all the hunger country, people rather, living in developing countries. Oh, you mean those same countries that are polluting there? The same countries are the most educated in the world? Those same countries that know so much about God they don't even need church no more? You understand three to six hundred churches close every year in the United States of America. They shut their doors. Hundreds of preachers resigning from being preachers no more because they can't take the pressure. Thousands times, thousands times, thousands of so-called Christians that have been surveyed on the pupils have said they are Christians, but they no longer go to church or see the need of going to church. I must have surveyed some of the message ones too. But I'm here to tell you, the change is coming. Hallelujah. This world is fixing to get the change due to her. There will not be one hungry baby in the millennium. There will not be a hungry man sitting on the side of the road saying, I am homeless. I am hungry. I will work for food. Our Lord Jesus will bring back to the earth the productivity that it had in the Garden of Eden. He will annihilate all hunger. He will annihilate.
laid all disease and all sin. Yes, yes, we need the millennium. There have been six million one hundred. 46,712 abortions. This was as of 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon. If you'll go to the Worldwide Abortion Clock website and you'll watch it as it changes, 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 changes. It has to in order to accommodate the amount of deaths around the world. You imagine 6,146,712 since January the 1st. Since you've been in church here for the last hour, thousands of them have been killed. According to WHO, World Health Organization, every year in the world, there are an estimated 40 to 50 million abortions. This corresponds to approximately 125,000 abortions per day. And we think this is a great place to live. It's a place of murder. A place of destruction. Women's rights, baloney. They didn't live like hogs. Come on. They didn't have to worry about killing a baby's life. Dr. Brian Close, Director of Education and Research at Human Life International, investigated the number of worldwide abortions since 1973. The results were staggering. He estimates that there have been more than 1.72 billion abortions over the last 40 years. As I said, friends, these don't make us feel like shouting. They don't make us feel like rejoicing. If they can legalize murder in the womb, what makes it hard for you to believe they'll legalize murder out of the womb in the tribulation period? The world is anointed with murder. But in the millennium, there won't be one abortion. There won't be one clinic. There won't even be one mother one to have it aborted. I'll go till I feel like you can't take it no more and then we'll stop, okay? Notice this children born out of wedlock. 21 million babies born out of wedlock in 2016. 21 million. Who is the God of this? I lay all of this at his door today and I say he is guilty and I say he will be punished according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention leading cause of death reports in 2016 suicide was the 10th leading cause of death overall in the United States Claiming the lives of nearly 45 
thousand people. But we're America the free. We're, we're the nation of the, of the free and the home of the brave. And my, we've got all the football teams and all the baseball and the soccer. And man, we make all of our beer and our wine. And oh, we've got all this great lifestyle. And oh, we're free. Are we? Why well, are 45,000 people, some of them as young as five, wanting to end their lives? If we are so free and so happy. God help us. Suicide was the second leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 10. 10 and 34. The fourth leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 35 and 54. Friend, what's wrong? Why would 10-year-olds want to be ending their life? We're not talking about India where their bellies are all bloated out and they don't have no food. We're not talking about when they're sold into child prostitution. We're talking about America. Some of y'all were here. I do know that. Probably a lot of you were not. But I preached a sermon many years ago over here. The Lord woke me up early one morning. And I heard him say these words. America the beautiful. America the cursed. America the beautiful. America the damned. That hurts our hearts. Probably everybody in here is an American. Sort of. I mean, it's a place we live. It's your home, isn't it? God help us. There are more than twice as many suicides. 44,965 in the United States as there were homicides. 19,362. Over one million people die by suicide worldwide each year. Now when a person takes their life, what's going on? There's something mentally wrong with that individual. They're so overwhelmed with the stress. Wonder what's causing these kids. Wonder if it's not a bunch of their deadbeat parents. And their parents that are so self-concerned about themselves. They'd rather have an affair with somebody else outside the marriage. Or they'd rather drink. Or they'd rather do this and that and the other. Because they're so concerned about themselves. Don't you see what Satan is doing? He's wanting to turn us into gods. He's trying to get each of us and the people on the face of this earth to make themselves a God. And therefore they worship their self with lust. They worship their self with drinking. They worship themselves with adultery and idolatry. And that's all they're concerned about is the God of themselves. And they worship themselves. I want, I believe, I don't care what my wife says. I don't care how this hurts my kids. You're talking about an individual who's made a God out of himself. Amen. 
Don't sit here and look at me this morning like you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. There's not a family in here that's not affected by some of the things I'm preaching. Maybe not you directly, but your sons or your daughters or your nephews or your nieces or maybe all of them. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, suicide is the third leading cause of death in young people between the ages of 10 and 24, resulting in about 4,600 lives lost in the U.S. each year. May I say to our young people, don't let this devil try to talk you into taking your life. You've got a life worth living, young people. You got a Lord Jesus who loves you. Parents that love you, church family that loves you. Oh, if you're fighting this, my go to Brother West, come to me. Don't don't let Satan lead you down that path. You've got much to live for. Oh, you may have a lot of stress and a lot of difficulty going on, but you have got a precious gift from God called your life. And once you take it, you can never get it back. No matter how low you are, how despondent you are, remember, Almighty God loves you. Amen. He came to this earth to redeem you and set you free from all this out here. Cases have been documented in kids as young as five years old. I can't even remember when I was five. I mean, we had it rough. We didn't have running water in the house. We didn't have a lot of stuff that we do today. I never thought about nothing like that. Where in the world does it come from? Don't you understand? Television, movies, social media, Facebook. They read about it every day. They hear about it every day. They talk to their kids at school, their friends and their buddies and so on. They hear about it. That's the, one of the drawbacks of, of all those social stuff is being able to expose our kids to so much hell. They hear more words. They know more stuff at, at eight and ten years old than many of us did when we were 30. Oh, you might as well say amen. Don't sit there and act like your kids are a bunch of angels or humans like all the rest of us. And if the devil is trying to get them this into them, I think as parents, as church leaders, we need to face our responsibility and know there's demons out there after our young kids. They want their morality. They want their life. They want their stand. And Satan wants to turn them into a god or an idol. So what y'all think? We need the millennium? If you feel like I do sometimes, you think, how much longer can this thing go? If it gets any worse, God help us. Notice this on depression. The WHO estimates that more than 300 million people worldwide suffer from depression. It's also the world's Leading cause of disability. But let me break your gloom here for just a moment and read to you what we're looking for. When we see Satan and all of his corruption, the prophet said, of making young ladies and men and old and everything out here on the street drunk, cursing, swearing, acting the way they're doing under Satan's domain, 
We can look beyond the eyes of faith and can see a perfect world with a perfect people. During the time of the millennium, where there won't be any cursing, any swearing, any drinking, any death, any sorrow, it will all be wiped away because of the Redeemer. Praise be to God. Again, in adoption, he said, Canaan does not represent the age of the millennium. It only represents the age of the overcomer. The dispensation of overcoming because in Canaan, they killed and burned and took cities. There'll be no deaths in the millennium. What a contrast. Since in our present world, 55.3 million people die each year. 151,600 die each day. 6,316 people die each hour. 105 people die each minute. Hundreds have died while we've been here in church. But the Redeemer will give the mandate. No murders. No homicides. No suicides. I'm in control now. (laughs) Praise God. Let me go a bit farther, can I? Let's look at mental illness. World Health Organization study shows that the rates of most mental illness are far higher in the U.S., than any other country in the world. Welcome, America. The list includes depression, anxiety, eating disorders, substance abuse. The U.S. rate was substantially higher than that of any other country measured, including other industrialized nations. Why? We're free. We're free. I mean, we can voice our opinion about politics. We can do whatever. We can walk off of our job. We don't have social medicine so far. We don't have social government so far. We can come and go and do this and that and the other. Mind that what produces happiness? Apparently not. What's the problem? That our nation would lead the world part of the payback for turning down God's prophet. God's provided place of worship. Look at this teenage insane. Why? I told you the other day there was talking, taking an analysis there in the schools of Arizona where I live. 80% of the children in school is mentally retarded. Can you imagine now this is 1965? What will their children be? Well, we're dealing with their children and their children's children. Ask us, we can tell you. It's the nuts you work with. It's the nuts that just about run you off the road. It's the nuts that'll talk to you like a dog if you get their parking spot at Walmart. Or their favorite spot in the pew at church. I mean... Notice, he said, look at all the televisions and things that's getting this fictitious things in order. 
It'll come a time, I predict, that people will be completely, totally insane. The world will be. All you got to do is get a few nut politicians. And you get the media promoting those nut politicians and then the ignoramuses that don't even check it out, they rally behind them and put them in office. Boy, some of y'all always get quiet when I go to lean on politics, don't you? When y'all ever going to accept the truth? Politics is of the devil, both sides. I don't care how you vote. I don't care who you voted for. However you voted, that's entirely up to you. But yet, both sides is of the devil. There won't be none of that in the millennium. It'll all be gone. The Bible speaks of such hideous sights as they show in movies today. Of some prehistoric creature's age. Look at people's imagination now. From the time in 1965 of whatever movies there would have been till now, people's imagination, a lot of these things in the tribulation period under the sixth seal will not actually be creatures on the earth. It will not be gigantic dragons with wingspans 200 feet wide, all kinds of creatures. I'll tell you where it will be. It will be in their imagination. Movies and television and video games are preparing their minds for the tribulation period. And those of you, the Christians that fill your mind with all sorts of movies and stuff like that, never take time to read your Bible, never take time to pray, sound like to me, you're getting ready for the tribulation period instead of the rapture. Well, hallelujah. I don't like that. Don't remember asking your permission to speak it. The Bible speaks of such hideous sights as they show in movies today of some prehistoric creature's age that lived in the earth so many thousands and millions of years ago. Isn't this amazing that he speaks this before a lot of these movies are even out of Hollywood? Thank you, Jesus. That's just a minor thing to what's going to happen when hell is opened and the devil comes out with all of his mysterious things of women or locusts like women, teeth like lions, while the world will be completely, totally insane. So there'll be creatures that'll come upon the earth and haunt women that've cut their hair. Some of them, all they'll still have long hair to the shoulder. All they did was just trim the ends of it off. You know about that much? And here they'll see these creatures in the tribulation period that'll have long hair hanging down and most of it'll be right up here. They'll dream about it at night. They'll be pushing their buggies down through Walmart and whatever more. And they'll break into hallucinations. And these beings will be all over them. And they'll be attacking them. And they'll be screaming and trying to get away from them. And people looking at them like they're really bizarre because they've lost their minds. I don't want to be here. By the grace of God, I ain't going to be here. Now listen to this, while the whole world will be completely, totally insane, it's not but just about one degree from it now. Y'all want to say a miracle? When you go out and get in your car, look in the mirror. 
you've lived right in the middle of all this mess another week and you still got your right mind. Well, I'd be happy, Brother Skip. Notice this, the North said, no, let me prophesy something to you before it comes to pass. The whole world is groping in insanity and will get worse and worse and worse until there'll be a bunch of maniacs. It's almost that way. Now, so Satan makes all this havoc, coaxes the people to getting into it, and then when they get into it, they're more miserable than they were before they was into it. So they've got to get into it more because they think, well, it's got to be here somewhere. It's got to be in here. The utopia I'm looking for, it's got to be in here. So they keep going in deeper and deeper and deeper. I'll tell you, friend, it's really tough in this day being a sinner. To me, it ain't near as hard being a child of God as it is trying to live in this hellhole of Satan's Eden. Well, I guess not, brother. You don't even know what it's all about. You've been a Christian for 50 years. You're right. But I deal with people every day that ain't. And I hear their tales. I hear their stories. And I don't want it. Let me have a few more minutes and we'll stop. Let's look at alcohol a little bit. I know this really seems strange for a preacher to be preaching about alcohol. One in eight American adults is an alcoholic. A new study published in JAMA Psychiatry this month finds that the rate of alcohol use disorder of what's colloquially known as alcoholism rose by a shocking 49% in the first decade of the 2000s. 49%. One in eight American adults or 12.7% of the U.S. population now meets diagnostic criteria for alcohol use disorder according to the study. The study's authors characterized the findings as a serious and overlooked public health crisis. Noting that alcoholism is a significant driver of mortality from an assortment of ailments, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, hypertension, cardiovascular diseases, stroke, liver cirrhosis, several types of cancer, infections, pancreatitis, type 2 diabetes, and various injuries. So, I'm going to pour this... Open the lid on this bottle of Gatorade, and I'm going to pour it out. I'm going to get a little bit of lacquer thinner. I'm going to pour in some paint stripper, a little bit of mineral spirits. I'm going to put in a little aluminum dioxide. Just mix up a concoction of stuff. And just mark on your poison. This will eat your guts out. It'll rot your brain cells. wonder how many people would even touch it. They'll try to have me arrested. And yet we license bars. We license grocery stores to sell something that's much more dangerous than that. Because if you did, you're dumb enough to take one swig of it. One swig, would that be the end of it. But instead, they sit there and drink and drink and drink and drink. What is it? A demon in them. 
And this demon calls for it and calls for it and calls for it and calls for it. But the demon don't get drunk. It's only the body that the demon is living in and the demon keeps calling and calling and calling to get this individual to do all of these things to themselves. Indeed, the study's findings are bolstered by the fact that death from a number of these conditions, particularly alcohol-related cirrhosis and hypertension, have risen concurrently over the study period. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention estimates 88,000 people a year die of alcohol-related causes. More than twice the annual death toll of opiate overdose. So, who was the one to concoct alcohol? The Lord? Was it the Lord that made the first bottle of Jack Daniels? Was it the Lord that made the first bottle of vodka or whiskey? Or no. It was his opponent. Breaking into corn. Breaking into all these different things. Figuring out ways to do that. Oh, well, Brother Donnie, it comes from the earth. That's right. So does poison ivy. With my concoction of replacing the Gatorade, I'm going to make a new facial cream. It's going to be made out of shumac. Poison ivy, poison oak. Scratch no more. Any of your sisters want any? Well, now, wait a minute. It comes from the earth. God made it. Anything coming from the earth couldn't hurt you, really? So Satan pulls from this, he pulls from that, broke into God's laboratory and said, if you do this and you put that in the brain, it alters the way they look at it. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, God. Thank you for giving me this laboratory. Thank you for giving me all of this cannabis and all these things that I'm able to go in there and break into it. Thank you, God. God says, I promise you, you will pay Satan. Let's stand. Boy, nobody begged me to go on today, did they? Wow, how much different than last Sunday. Oh, I thought we was going to have a revolt here. I know, friends. It don't make us feel happy. It's sad. It's terrible. I've not even scratched the surface of the sin and the debauchery. And the filth and the status of our world. There's only one hope. The coming of the Lord. And then you you know what makes it so sad? We've got preachers in this message that are preaching. Revelation 19, Jesus coming on a white horse has already happened. The rapture, Brother Seth, is finished. It happened when the seals was revealed. So the only hope we have left is the coming of the Lord. And then men in our own ranks try to take that from us. Huh? Well, let me just tell you right now, you ain't taking that from me. 
Call me old-fashioned, call me crazy, call me whatever you want to, but after a while, call me gone. <laughs> Amen. For myself, as one believer, I'm looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus. I'm also looking for a literal coming of him coming out of heaven on a white horse. Revelation 19. Anybody else in here looking for it? Amen. He's coming for the, for what? Those who are loving his appearing. So that kind of makes you wonder about preachers that ain't longing for the coming of the Lord Jesus. Don't Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's bow our heads together. Oh, Lord, if I only presented these facts, and there's so much more here to show them. As I've been sitting, Lord, in the last several days looking at these things, or the last week, really, 10 days, it just made me so sad. I just felt so heartbroken for the status of the world. To many of us, Lord, we hear these numbers, 88,000 and 7 million and this and that. But to some of us, these aren't numbers. When we hear it, we see somebody's face. Maybe a father, a mother, a child, a son that maybe at one time sat here in this church, got caught up in alcohol. To that mother or father that's standing here today, that is more than a number. It's their boy. It's their girl. Or a friend. As one of the deacons said here the other day, for someone who used to come here, Lord, that backslid years ago, now turned into an alcoholic, told the deacon to ask us to pray. Oh, God, I said, you gave the water of life for men to be able to drink of. For us to be so filled with the Holy Ghost that we'd be drunk every day of our life. So intoxicated on the presence of God. That Satan through stress and anxiety and the problems of life breaks people over and have them to smoke their first cigarette or take their first pill or their first drink, whatever it is. Before long, they're so dependent they cannot live without them every day. And they become ashamed. Many of them backslide. Totally, completely get away from God. Away from everything about God. Still hunting. Searching. Looking. They try this substitute. Then they try another mixed in with it. They try another mixed in with it. This is why we find the rich, the famous, the movie stars. And then they go to doing the... Diagnosis on the chemicals in their body and they had this mixed with that and that mixed with that and that mixed with something else. They was trying to achieve something. Trying to reach a high that never been before. So somebody told them if you'll mix this with that or it, it'll, it'll really do something for you. It did. Kill them. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming our way, Lord. Giving us grace. If it wasn't for your mercy, some of us, Lord, instead of sitting in a church pew today, we might be at a bar stool. Or we might be sitting at home with a fifth of whiskey or beer or wine or whatever more and just so drunk, 
or hung over from a big party out on Saturday night. But praise God, here we are sitting in the presence of the King. Hallelujah! Feasting on the Word of God. Oh Lord, thank you for that blessed coming of the millennium of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is what we're calling for. And our voices are nothing compared to the earth. We can't hear her today. But according to what Paul said, all creation is groaning and paining together until now. We can't hear the animals, but they're groaning. The winds are groaning. The earth, the Antarctic, it's groaning. It was never meant to be that temperature. It was never meant to be that. One day it will be restored to its pristine condition, Lord. As I read and told the church the other day, Lord, at one time, 74 degrees, great animals that was there, palm trees, ferns, hallelujah. Antarctica, we can't hear her, but she's groaning for a sweet day of release. We think how we felt this morning when we walked out and saw the sun. We've seen the clouds and the gray skies for so many days now, and it does something to us, Lord. We walked out and seen the sunshine. Oh, how the earth will clap her hands and shout. Glory to God at the dawn of that seventh morning when the ice caps will be gone from the north and south pole. Blessed be the Lord God. All disease germs will be annihilated. Amen. There'll be no sickness. There won't be one shovel ever used in the millennium. Praise God to bury a saint of God. There won't be one saint of God ever buried. They can't be. They're living in glorified bodies. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. If John could say that 2,000 years ago, what about us in this hour? Come, Lord Jesus. In the year 2019, Lord, the world is in such a horrible shape. The people of the earth in such a terrible shape, plunging headlong into hell. Oh, God, help us, I pray. Lord, it says, as you described it, perilous times, difficult times, as living in a demonic world, maniacs are everywhere. Oh, the maniac of Gadara must have been something. People must have been terrified to walk even the vicinity where that man was. They were scared to death. But Lord, at least they just had one in that time. We've got them everywhere. They're in the White House. Lord, they're in the State House. They're in the Church House. They're everywhere we go. Oh, God, help us. Hide us, O rock of ages. Keep us, Lord Jesus, by your power. We're as your word describes. Sometimes we don't know what to do. We don't know which way to turn, Lord. Oh, God, help us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Don't you love him, children? Don't you love him with all your heart? Think. Think, was it not for the grace of God? You could be one or several of these statistics. Now who don't know anything about the bride? So they ain't going to have no real statistics of how many is in the rapture. How many loves God with all their heart? You have a hard time finding anything where we really fit in. We don't fit in any of these things, thank God. But God has one in his Bible. 
And it is, the Lord knoweth them that are His. The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, that the Lord knoweth them that are His. Who will never, you know, poll you? The pew poll will never more than likely call you. And are, are you bride? Are you elect? Are you this, that, or the other? But know that God, by His grace, has smiled upon you. Maybe some of you standing here today used to be in these t- statistics. You used to be a drinker. You used to be this and that and the other. But you're standing here today set free by the power of God. Let's worship Him a little before we go, can we? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Sweet Jesus, take me from this place. I really don't belong here now I want to see your face Come, sweet Jesus Come take me away I really want to see Come today, come, sweet Jesus, take me from this place. I really don't belong here now. I want to see your face. Come, sweet Jesus. Come take me away I really want to see Lord Jesus come today Lord we are your people No, Eliana has had a a tube in her stomach ever since she was right after she was born to feed her and uh, Lord willing Wednesday morning I'm taking her over to Kingsport her mom and I and they're going to take it out and the doctor said that hopefully whenever they take it out it will be able to heal up on its own but they're not sure she may have to have another surgery after the tube is removed but we know who the great yeah, surgeon amen. is now. Amen. amen you can't imagine how happy we are over this she's be 13 years old in July and had this for for all these years so let's let's pray for Lord Jesus thank you Heavenly Father Lord that Ellie's finally able to be able to get this taken out of her body Lord we're just asking you Lord in the name of Jesus that you let it go okay the procedure you see Father the doctor had a little bit of concern about whether it would heal up on its own Lord God we ask you in Jesus name that you'd move for Lord you're the healer the devil is the one who makes sick and he's the one that afflicts but you're the one Lord that makes people well we believe you Father everything is going to go well you're going to be with her Lord she's going to heal up Lord I want to say thank you for it thank you Lord Jesus that she's able to have this done we so appreciate your grace Lord in Jesus name Amen thank you sweet Jesus take me from this place I really don't belong here now I want
Tender mercies come with every rising sun To meet the sinner in his brokenness He offers healing and forgiveness And those who trust in him
believe it. I reach my hands to the heavens. I lift my eyes where my help comes from. I look to Is healed. Oh, 
sickness can't stay any longer. Your perfect love is casting out fear. You are the God of all power. And it is your will that my life is here. Reach my hands to the heavens. I lift my eyes where my help comes from. I look to you, my rock, my healer. I trust in you. Lord, I trust in you. Lord, I trust in you. You can be seated, folks. If you just continue in prayer and worship. Go! Oh. 
Praise the Lord. Have you enjoyed church today? Don't it make you want to go home? Don't it make you want to go home? God bless you. Have a good week. Remember the service here Wednesday night, the Lord willing, we'll just come back and do it all over again. It's an exciting time to be a believer. It's an exciting time to be a Christian. Do you believe that? Look at somebody and tell them, God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. God bless you. God bless all of you. You're dismissed. God bless you. Bow my knee.